Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. Here's Pastor Ryan. So turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as we continue our, uh, our prophecy update. This is part 2. And part 3 is next week. There's just so much to cover. My notes are like a book. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Father, we thank you this morning again for your goodness in our life. Oh Lord, where would we be? You have been so good to us. We thank you for this, your house. We thank you for the cross. And that our names, Lord, are written in your book of life. Father, we want to learn of you this morning. You desire to speak to our hearts. And Lord, we've come because we want to hear from your heart. And so, Lord, as we study your word, minister to us, Holy Spirit. Counsel us, guide us, show us. You say in your word that you teach the humble your way. So we ask, Lord, remove pride from our hearts, remove it from my own. And Lord, speak to us your truths. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. Last week we read how... Uh, before the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, before he comes to pour out his wrath on a Christ-rejecting world and to judge the world and to establish a new heaven and an earth, there must be a falling away first. And we spoke about this falling away and it being the apostasy of the church, that one of the signs that uh, his second coming is near is that we're going to see in the last days more and more professing churches turning away from the truth of God's word. There's going to be less preaching on the truth uh, of repentance and sin and repentance, the cross, the taking up of our crosses daily, dying to self and following Christ. That's, that's going to be replaced as we get closer to the end with churches that are just going to tell people what they want to hear, feel good stories where people feel that they've done their religious obligation to God, but then they can go off the rest of the week and live like sinners. That's the apostasy. But because uh, falling away is an apostasia, it, it means to, to step away from, it also means to depart. And so there are some who believe today, scholars who believe that this falling away that must come first is speaking of the rapture, the time when the church is going to depart from the planet Earth and meet the Lord in the air. And so whatever you may believe for yourself is between you and the Lord. But the truth is, is that before his second coming, the rapture will take place. It is before his second coming. 
So whether you think of it as, a, as the apostate church or the rapture of the church, whatever you, you may believe is between you and the Lord, but know this, the rapture indeed will come before. And there's many verses that speak to that. The rapture, for those who may not know, and when I teach or preach, it's with the mentality that there may be someone walking into church for the first time. So bear with me for those of you who are Bible scholars and, and know these things. But the rapture of the church is God's method of saving his church from his wrath that is about to come upon a Christ-rejecting world. The rapture is God's method of saving his church from the wrath that he's going to pour out on a Christ-rejecting world. And you can read all about the wrath that's coming in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. You can read all about it and you, you see it and it's, it's terrible what's coming, what's going to happen upon this Christ-rejecting world. And it is coming and it is coming soon. God will not punish the righteous with the wicked. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, we are told, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God knows how to make the distinction between punishing the wicked, pouring his wrath on those who re would reject his love, and sparing or saving those who believe in God. He's not going to punish the righteous with the wicked. That would be an unjust thing to do. And in the Bible, we have examples of this. You know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how uh, Ab during Abraham's time, his nephew Lot and his family lived in Sodom and Gomorrah and the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah were so great that God had decided that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And in Genesis chapter 8 verses 20 through 21, the Lord said to Abraham, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grave. I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know it. So God was going down there to see if what he had heard was correct. Now, he knew, of course, what was going on there. He's God. But I like to think that his dialogue was, uh, with Abraham was there for all of us to learn throughout the history that God knows how to make a distinction between punishing the wicked and, the, and, the and, and sparing the righteous. Abraham responds to the Lord in Genesis 18, 23 through 26. He said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you, to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, God. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what's right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. 
That's the heart of God. If there's 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I won't destroy it. So we see the heart of God throughout history. He's not going to destroy, bring his wrath upon this world, upon his own children, upon his bride, the Christ, uh, the, the bride, his bride, the bride. The church, his bride. Right? And the Lord sent his angels, as you know, to rescue Lot and his family out of there. He didn't leave them. He pulled them out. Fire and brimstone could not hit Sodom and Gomorrah until he pulled them out. Noah, the preacher of righteousness, you know the story in Genesis chapter 6, uh, how when the Lord saw that the world's condition, the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Very, very sad verses in the Bible, that God was sorry that he made man. And so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. It says, but Noah found grace in the, in the eyes of the Lord. And you know the story. The Lord commanded Noah to build an ark so that within the ark, him and his family can be saved. For God knows how to, how to save the righteous when he brings the wrath upon this planet. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9 the Apostle Peter would write, and, and it's a good verse because it, he, he speaks of Abraham, Lot and he speaks of Noah. And then he says, for the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. God knows. He knows how to distribute his wrath and his judgment on Christ's rejecting people and it's coming and he knows how to save his children he knows we're not appointed to wrath it's a beautiful thing before his second coming he's going to pull us out and the means of pulling us out is the rapture turn with me to first thessalonians chapter four just a couple pages in front of where we're at now Beginning with verse 15, and give me an amen once you are there. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And you know that the word caught up there is harpozo in the Greek, which means to be snatched up by force. Those who are alive, when God says that is it, 
The world has had its time. I'm going to now remove my church and allow the wrath of God to begin. When that moment happens, if we're alive during that time, we will be caught up, snatched up, harposo. In Latin, it's raptus, which is translated to English rapture. So rapture, the word is in the Bible, translated to English. That's what it is from the Latin. The Latin from the Greek, harposo. Those of us who are alive and remain will be pulled out of here, just like that, to meet Jesus in the air. It's a beautiful picture. And we will not be the first ones to experience a rapture. Uh, you know, Elijah was one who never experienced death on earth, but was taken in a chariot of fire to heaven. He never experienced death. He was taken up. You can read about it in the Bible. His protege, Elijah, remember, and the, the prophets were like, well, maybe God dropped him off somewhere else. So they searched around the hills and stuff, and they never found him. He was gone. Also, Enoch, in the book of Genesis, it says that he walked with God and was not, for the Lord took him. Enoch never experienced death. We, are, we the, the generation that is raptured out of here, we're not the first to have, done, to have experienced that. It's Enoch and Elijah. Philip in the New Testament, when he preached to the Ethiopian, remember that? Baptized him, and then the Lord raptured him, and, but he spit him out somewhere else. He didn't take him home yet. So get used to the idea, because it's coming. Let it be on the forefront of your minds and on your hearts, because it can happen at any moment. Paul would go on to say, in, in, also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, and that word sleep is die, but we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. It's coming, just like that. If you can blink, then you can think it. Right? If you can blink, then you can think it. It's coming. God will not punish you and I. The blood of Jesus has taken care of our punishment of the wrath of God. We have a ticket to go be with the Lord. But we had better be ready and keep building. It's the same word that God gave me last week and it continues Keep building his church. Keep producing fruit because the Lord is a fruit inspector. And he wants to see in our lives that we're producing, that we're progressing spiritually, that we're sharing our faith, that we're growing in Christ. That is what is required in these days. The rapture is coming. Back to our text, we see in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, the second coming, right, will not come unless the falling away comes first. The apostasy or the rapture, you decide. But the end is not until these things happen. Unless the falling away comes first 
and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so now Paul mentions here the Antichrist, what we know him as, right? The son of perdition, the man of sin. We know him as the Antichrist. The Bible also refers to him as the beast. The Antichrist must be revealed before Jesus' second coming. That's the timeline. In 1 John chapter 2.18, John the Beloved, who rested his head on Jesus' chest at dinner, remember, at the, at the supper, he wrote this, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So we know that the Antichrist is coming soon. We can tell because of the signs. Right? On our phones, can you tell me what the weather is in Banning? Like that. And you know what the Lord said to the Pharisees? You guys can tell the weather, but you can't tell the signs of... You can't tell the... We can't. Lord, help us. We can tell the signs. By reading our Bibles, we see that there are second coming signs that are happening. And one of them is that the lawless one, the Antichrist, will soon be revealed. But like John said, many Antichrists have come already. I believe that the spirit of Antichrist will increase more the closer we get to the second coming of Jesus Christ. What is the spirit of Antichrist? It's lawlessness. It's being against the laws of God. And look at the times that we're living in. We are living in lawless times where things are backwards, where uh, what is known to be good is now being called evil. What is known to be evil is now being called good. This is our country. Welcome to America in 2022. Paul would tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3. We are living in these days. We are living in these days. It, the perilous times have smacked us in the face and we're here. And a lot of us are very perplexed. The world is very confused and fearful and you know, because it's so out in the open now, uh, this, un, this lawlessness that's going around in the world, where they're not even hiding it anymore. It's just so much is out in the open. From the lowest levels of society to the highest levels of society, there is so much lawlessness. From the top to the bottom and everything in between, there's lawlessness. That's a sign that we're getting really close. 
Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Think about how many, think about the heart and the love of our nation right now, of our societies for one another. We are, we are a broken nation. And rightfully so, because sin breaks a nation, doesn't it? It is sin that has crept in. Sin has crept into the church's apostasy. The pastors and the teachers are not teaching what's right. And so people have not been learning about how to live right with God for decades upon decades. Think about it. The family structure, how broken it is today. Why? Why are so many fathers absent? Why are there so many single mothers? Why is there so much confusion in this world? Why are kids so rebellious and are being raised without parents? Why? Because God is being taken out of everything. And it's been happening, you know, uh, progressively, you know, for a hundred years. And this world is a mess in many ways. It's more corrupt than we ever had known. And we were not naive to the corruption of the world. I wasn't. You weren't. I'm, I'm from the hood. I grew up in the punk scene. I was skeptical of, of church establishment, religion, and uh, government all day, all night. Forget the government we used to say in not so nicer terms. So I was skeptical. And come to find out, I become a believer in Christ, and I realize that, oh my goodness, yes, they are corrupt. Just like you always, even the world knows that the government's corrupt. But how much more the believer, who we serve a God who has set us free from deception. We serve a God who gives us discernment and who says to test all things and to walk, you know, with our, you know, you know, with our, uh, with understanding to walk wisely. And so, we're with, you know, we knew it was corrupt, but I didn't know how deep it was. We have had a shocking two years. The election, our eyes were, you know, our eyes really began to be open when we saw a sitting president lose to, lose the election to a man who could not gather crowds for his rallies. At least when Obama ran for office, you can see the momentum, you can see the crowds gathering, you can, you can see that there was excitement, and to think that Biden had more votes within the black community than Obama. It's, it's so openly in your face that I think that to me was like, I knew, Lord, that it was corrupt, but this is corrupt in a way that at least I thought we had our democracy, at least I thought we can still vote and we weren't like Mexico or... Afghanistan or something that here at least we had that but we don't have that we saw video upon video of voter workers breaking protocol uh, stealing votes and keeping the observers out of rooms we saw these videos we heard testimony upon testimony that it happened we even had voter uh, workers uh, declaring Biden, I got you into office. There was just, it was all out in the open, and yet the media blocked it out. And we learned more about the media, didn't we? We always knew, we were naive, the media is corrupt, yes, but we didn't know it was that corrupt. 
At least I did, and call me naive. And we saw them just shut things down, build narratives, continually saying the same thing. And there was, it's, the lawlessness was open. That We are not going to look into voter integrity. We're just not going to do it. What nation does that? We witnessed politicians and judges and big tech try to censor anyone who brought up election fraud. Our freedom of speech was completely violated by big tech. We saw big tech, oh, twi oh Twitter, you, you, oh, Twitter, that's how you are. Facebook, that's how you are. YouTube, that's how you are. You censor what doesn't fit into your narrative. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.